Hey, Bill, uh, leading up with you and Lawler's feud, um, anywhere in there, but you had a series of matches where you seemed to win the Southern Heavyweight title. You won 4,000 cash. You won a Cadillac, leading up to taking a couple losses of, of other people's hair and the big blow-off. Reoccurring question on your Facebook page seems to be that, uh, what's the deal with Cadillac? Who's Cadillac? Did you win the Cadillac? Did you drive the Cadillac around? Or yeah. Did you have to give it up? Did you? Well, I lost it again. <laughs> it was Lawless Cadillac, and we was building up for a hair match eventually, but that, that's another story. So we just, I wanted the belt. I won the belt. And then every time he wanted, he had to put something up to wrestle me for the belt. He wanted the belt, but, well, as you know, you're not getting just a match. I go to sign the winner, and we so. He put the Cadillac up eventually, and I won it. And I drove around town there and thought it was Mr. Big Shot. <laughs> so, yeah, when you win him, you get him till you lose him. Eventually, I lost it back to him, but, yeah, it was mine till he won it back. All right. It was a real real swap, so you, you, yeah. were, you were riding high? Oh, I was Big Shot. <laughs> From my LTD to a Cadillac, I th thought it was Mr. Big Shot. And we've talked about this before, but... uh it's kind of after that entire torturous feud leading up to that, I think it was four or five weeks later, the houses were down. It went right back to you and him tagging up and uh, against the Valiants. Um, that's, that's still just that. that was a, the people were in it and bought it so so yeah. hard and heavy, and then um, five weeks later, well, any way they got you, they were just happy to see y'all well, both in the ring. They, they, they didn't care what we did as long as we was in the ring at the same time. We could be on the same side against one another. Or they didn't care as long as we was in the ring because they knew, they knew something was going to happen. And they knew we didn't like one another. So they thought, well, maybe the, tonight one will kill one. Well, and we'll be there to see it. So Going into that, do you have any uh, specific memories of working Johnny and Jimmy Valiant at that time as a tag team? Well, Johnny was pretty... Stiff, handsome was just handsome. He was all showbiz, and I—I I mean, what what could you say? They come from Dick the Bruiser, big time team coming into Memphis. Me and Lawler was the best Memphis had to offer. So, I thought the matches was good, not great, but good, and we won. <laughs> well, of course, uh, of course, it was Memphis. Yeah, and. Uh, then I, I noticed shortly after that, y'all go into a, a run with uh, Sonny King and Norvell Austin. No it, relief, nowhere. Uh, oh my. Night off? No, no, not a night off. Norvell, not too bad, kind of stiff. But Sonny King, oh my God. What you see, it's what he was. Big, strong, black guy. And I don't mean this bad, but I don't really know if you like white people. Because <laughs> <laughs> he bit the shit beat the shit out of me and Lop, I can tell you that. Well, uh, when um, when you first showed up in Memphis from Australia with George Barnes as a tag team, uh, I was recalling that more so that you went into a, a feud with Dennis Condry and Phil Hickerson, but as we were going through some old pictures, you actually worked Tojo and Eddie Marlin, and the yeah. pictures we saw were, uh, I guess, uh, Jerry Jarrett got involved a little bit before a little bit but he was promoting by then and booking and doing his thing so he could stay home and make more money yeah so why would you go to the ring and 
get beat up by two goofy Aussies. Now, that, that must have been an interesting night to work Tojo style and Eddie Marlin. Well, George and I kind of felt sorry for Tojo because George was determined to make Tojo wrestle. <laughs> well, Tojo's five foot five and 300 pounds. But he had one where he had Tojo leapfrog him. I swear to God, I thought, this is, but Tojo got over him, stood up and chopped him. George took a hell of a bump. People went crazy. I don't know if it was the chop or the leapfrog that we remember, but, oh, no, 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 do that. No, no, how he talked. Yeah, no, 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 do that. He did it and chopped him. Before we run off too far from uh, you and Lawless feud, uh, going through some WWE information, your name popped up. They had a list of the 10 most famous loser leave town or retirement matches. And uh, number 10 was Bill Dundee against Jerry Lawler. Well, at least we got a little mention, and it don't hurt to get mentioned by the, by the what would you call him, the Shaw of Wrestling, Vince. I mean, he thinks he's it, but... We was doing all that kind of stuff before he was doing it in Memphis, I mean. And just to be a guest to the normal wrestling fan, just to get mentioned in the same thing as his boys. I don't watch the WWE. I couldn't tell you who the other guys were. But I can tell you this much. If you had to bet on what was the better matches to watch, it would be Lauder and Dundee. That doesn't matter who the opponents are than his boys. Hey, uh, uh, going back through the records... Uh, a few weeks ago, we actually were talking about the AWA World Titles, and uh, your memory and my memory didn't serve too well about y'all actually winning the belts twice. Still can't figure it out. I'm I'm searching for it on on tape, but uh, it's listed several other places as you and Lawler losing it to Hector Guerrero and Doctor D, who now is listed as Carl Styles, uh, undercard guy from Memphis. Yeah. And uh, then dropping it to the New Midnight Express. But um, I'm still struggling to find find video on that. Yeah, me too. Um, In my head, I'm still struggling. But again, if you, but if you listen. I do remember Carl Styles, big country boy. Oh, you do? Oh, yeah, big country boy. Stronger than a Knox brother. Oh, God. Strong. He could press slam you like this. Just stand there and press you two or three times. Then slam you, oh, big country, and, and, he, and he talked real country. So I don't quite know what I'm trying to say here, but you know how them farm boys talk? He was like that, and a, technically a nice guy. Well, uh, I guess that would be the reason you'd put him under a mask and use that, that size and strength. Yeah. And keep him quiet. And, and because when he talked, it didn't fit what he was. Right. Well, uh, going through some of your, your pictures here, uh, we came across a, a one that's, that had me stumped, and it actually was Gorgeous George Jr. Well, well, it looked quite him. different. I met him in a bar that night. He got, we just had to both show up. This big hairy guy, I'm looking at him, and he's looking at me. Damn, Gorgeous George. So that's... Looked more like the uh, Duck Dynasty. Right. He looked more from like his character. Dutch Mantel with yeah. Ooh, had a hair and a beard, yeah. And uh, was that a brief encounter? Or did you work? You have uh, with Johnny B. Bad the oh, pictures we was, were going through just to uh, well, that one with Johnny B. Yeah. 
I would have been WCW, I guess, when you were. It would have been an ass kicking for me, for Johnny B, get him over, and I was on my way. So. <laughs> uh, well, uh, but I like Johnny B. He, he wanted to learn, and he was coming out, you know, talk to you, and that, that, that's the difference. He, he, he was into his character, wasn't he? he right, he, yeah. he flipped it on. Some other names popping up. Dusty Rhodes imagination. Really? And that's when you were helping with the booking and a Yeah. And Greg Gagne and Mike Gray. Johnny B. Bad. Was the uh the the beginning uh was he uh the plan for him to be uh, a heel that hit him to a baby or I guess that's always the plan, but Johnny B was the I don't know what was in Dusty's head. He, he, he knew where he was going with himself. Big, the, the dream. He was the dream every night. You could be anything. Say, baby, just did you know how he talked and he has that lisp. He didn't really have a lisp, but he would have a lisp when he was conning you into something. And I liked Big Dust. I mean, we got along good. I knew how he was. He knew how I was. So I liked him. Few names in the pot that uh, come up with your opinion, or, or did you ever work with them? Thunderbolt Patterson and, and Buzz Sawyer. Ooh, mercy! Now there was two guys the exact opposite. Thunderbolt was all showbiz, and Buzz was all about kicking your ass, could and would. So, but I didn't mind working with either one, and I got along good with him. So, I knew Thunderbolt from Australia. Barnett brought him over to Australia ten years before that. I probably had done jobs for him a hundred times in Australia. So when he came to Memphis, I was the star. And mm. He was still Thunderbolt Patterson, could work, could talk. How was he received in Australia at that time? <clears throat> well, that jive kind of talk. Nobody quite understood what it was and, and he talked the same way there as he does here and but he got over he did all the things with his hands and his feet and all that kind of stuff so, but he got over um people whisper that dusty stole a lot from him do you, do you think that's where he got the character from everybody borrows if i could say the word is he who could tell you what dusty was but you can't so I'll do it the nice way. He was a white black guy. Dusty understood what Bolt was doing and he watched the people. So when you have a black guys are supposed to be junk jive. 300 pound rednecks are nuts. So Dusty came out and did his thing. People went nuts. He knew it was going to touch the buttons and get over. So with it, yeah. Like I said, I liked the dream. He, he, he was. I got along good with him, and he just, you know, and he could work for a 300-pound guy. But like we've said before in this show, working is in your head, not the bumps you take. That doesn't um, mean a damn, damn thing. It's all in your head. It's a psychological game you play with the fans. They have lost that technique now. So, but Big Dream... He got over, didn't do nothing in the ring. People thought he was the world champion, 
until he became the world's champion. Look what Ric Flair does. Every match the same, and boom, bam, bam, and he wasn't over as good as Big Dust to the average fan. No. And he was the world's champion. Um, you know, in the past, you've said that uh, push to, to say your favorite town, you've actually listed as Tupelo, Mississippi, and I'm starting to understand why when we're going through some... Uh, keepsakes of yours i've got some uh tupelo police badges bestowed on you and a lot of uh pictures of pool parties and bikini girls around that yeah. seem to be led back to tupelo so i'm sounds like you uh were given the key to the city you yeah. were quite welcome in tupelo yes i was in the bar scene and the wrestling scene so yeah i like i like tupelo but i used to tell the people I was from Tupelo, but when I was okay. coming, my second home, I love Tupelo, so back in the day, if you said that on TV, they liked you, so even if I was a heel or a good guy, I would still put Tupelo over, well, you saw a couple of pictures, why, but that's another story. <laughs> uh, you, uh, you've been pretty busy lately, um, I know you did a, a tribute show down at Alec Capri. <laughs> Casino to Lance Russell and Brian Christopher. Got a couple of uh, Dyersburg Fair, Lexington Fair coming up. Um, yeah. Keep keeping. Uh, I was going to say lacing the boots up, but we know you don't lace any boots. No, I did uh, quit that forty years ago. And, and what, what was the reason starting that? Because it sure makes sense. That if you watch the the, the picture of me and Barton slamming Eddie Marlin, if it's on the, the seat, I have lace up boots on them. And the shorter ones, and I told George, I said, when we're done with you, because he wouldn't wear pull-on boots, he had to lace them up. So mm -hmm. I said, I'm done lacing boots. When I get to be by my lonesome, so I got a pair of cowboy boots made, and been ever since. And how much time have you saved? Yeah. <laughs> lacing them up, lacing them down. Right. Yeah, that's uh, um, No, is it? Safer to have them laced up. Yeah, you can break your ankle more easy with what I wear than the laced up what But I have seen guys sprain their ankle and do things with lace up boots. So it can happen either way. Yeah. Well, seems like it saves a whole lot of time. I see the guys in, in the dressing right. room. You're going through their ritual and you're yeah. ready to go. You could be late and be ready in two minutes. Yeah. Well, you just said a, a lot of buddies came through here. You, you see, uh, okay, Chick Dylan blows a knee out and goes home, and uh, a buddy goes on and assumes the role and, and with you at Watts' Mid-South. But uh, there were a lot of guys that Memphis, you guys put to us, brought to a certain level and said, the Booker, if the Booker doesn't want you to be, you're not going to be. But if the Booker right. does want you to be, at some point when you're pushed, I mean, you have to put forward something. Yeah, I mean, you, you have can't to be able to carry the ball. Yeah, yeah. It's like um, the quarterback when he throws the ball to you. You better catch that sucker and run with it. Or he ain't throwing it to you too many more times. Was there anybody of memory in particular that you really thought you uh, had something to work with and you'd put your effort and made all the right plays and set him up to... All right, if you're all out there and you're looking for a new roof, why don't you give Baker Roofing a call at 901-574-7775 
And if you call that number, tell them the superstar told you to call, you'll get 10% off your new roof. So I, I, I believe you got tired of hearing whatever they had to say and uh, just hung up on whoever it was. Yeah, it was uh, one of the companies wanted to get my opinion on the upcoming elections. Okay. Nothing about politics. We're talking about wrestling here, mate. Um. Did you? Uh, we had talked about Lawler's characters, comic book monsters, and oh, he loved all that shit. When when Lawler was the booker, the more monsters showed up on Memphis TV. Then, uh, how'd you like working those guys? I know they ended up to him, but they had to. Well, that was the idea. Instead of here's the other thing that that Bill Dundee never ever got or got his wires crossed. I knew why I was here. It, not when we first got here, but when Lawler took over and he did his thing and he would book me with the monster, I knew who was winning and I knew what was going to happen to the monster. He was getting so Lawler, you know what I mean? And that was good. You got a big, bigger payoff when it sold out. So I had no pr problem doing that, but yeah, I. There could be no big payoff if you didn't play right, your part and set right, it up. Right. Make it mean something. Um, you'd set him up to benefit from it, and it just uh, disappointed you or pissed you off that... Uh, well, my number one friend, Buddy, he was like that. You, you had him ready to go, and then you would go out and get drunk, and you wouldn't see him for two days. He, he can't be on top like that. I said, but, oh, fuck that, Last night, I, oh, I don't need to know. <laughs> so, yeah, the, but you kind of know if you, and I was pretty good at that, looking at a guy, knowing whether he would make it or not make it. Now, his personal life may have, but you can't do nothing about that. But as far as wrestling talent, I was pretty fair at picking it, saying this guy can do this, this guy can do that. And... I had no real problem, so I, to answer your question, I don't really know. Was it, a, a, especially as Booker, was it a, a, a lot easier to uh, overlook uh, somebody like Buddy Landell that, that the fans connected with when he disappears for two days versus somebody who's not quite as talented? A little right. easier to uh, chop him at the knees and... Yeah, you would know he was at his house or in his bed when you went to get him in the morning. Yeah, but really you never knew where he was. So, but I would rather have Elvis Presley on my card because I knew when you have him, he'll sell out for you. That a singer that maybe a better singer, but doesn't have the charisma. But he had the charisma and all the things to go with it. And I babysat him. I liked him, and I was deterred. He was showing up. So well, would you, I would go get him. Were you saying you'd rather have a guy that drew and you'd have to babysit than a guy who is going to be um, Johnny on the spot and dependable? But uh, yeah, there's Vince calling on this. Oh, okay. <laughs> Hold on there. Bill, looking back through some uh, match records, looks like uh, for a short run in 1980, it was actually you and Jackie Fargo against Lawler and Jimmy Valiant. I also must have been down when we needed Fargo back. No, I mean, where do you go for a partner when you've had Lawler for the 
15 years before that. You can't go out and get jumping Jack Flash. You have to have somebody the same caliber type thing. Then Bantam Jimmy came in to over like a like a steam train, and so who else could you get? The fabulous what Jack of Fargo. So all, all made sense. Yeah, that that that's the difference between then and now. It made sense. So sometimes I would say call Fargo. Said, okay, so I call Fargo. Jackie, we need you in Memphis Monday night. Oh, oh man, I thought that he would give a whole hundred reasons why he couldn't be be there, and that wasn't, wouldn't miss it for anything in the world. Yeah, wouldn't miss it. Then so one time he said, "It'll happen to you. You'll get to the age where you don't want to climb through them ropes." He said, "And I'm there." I said, "Fargo, we need you." So I sometimes drive around to his house. <laughs> Please. <laughs> so off we'd go to Memphis. But that day, I can think now, at the age I am now, and he may have been even a little bit younger, but thinking, I don't really want to go. But here's the other thing. I wasn't getting to go to work with Lawler and Dundee like he was. Right. The caliber of the guys that I'm climbing through the rip is not, you know what I mean? Um. Working now, a lot of challenges. Um, where do you see it all going? It's already there, to hell in the handbasket. They will ever be back. If Channel 5 called up Jerry Jarrett and said, be TV Saturday morning, bring a crew with you, he couldn't do it. There's no crew. He would show up with two old men, three counting him. So there'd be Lawler, Dundee, and Jerry Jet, and what you do with the rest that actually did anything in Memphis, there's none. Handsome Jimmy Rick, you could maybe get him out of the Virginias, who knows, you could call him up and get him in, but we'd be all old men, as Kevin Lawler made that statement one time, and there's another idiot, but that's another, that's another kettle of fish. Um, so, uh, even you guys uh, at the helm of the ship don't think that you could recreate or develop or grow these guys along? Look, look at that board over there. Hmm. What do you see on there? A lot of history. A lot of history. Uh, and they all look like restless. Yes, they do. Uh, look at that picture of that battle. Royal, look at the man in it. There, there, there's just, there's no talent. And it's not their fault. There's no place to go. And somebody has to show you what, you know what I mean? Like that picture right there, that pretty young lady, Danica Packner. Somebody had to show her how to drive a race car. She may have the talent once they show, showed you, they brought it out and she could drive the car. Same with our business. Somebody has to tell it to you. And the younger kids today, because they, they watch well, Vince, they don't want to learn what we did. Uh, are you telling me they're not listening? Are you telling me that you guys aren't taking the time to talk to them? Well, after they think you're just a silly old man, why would you go waste your breath? You know what I mean? It's, it, I know what they say about me and Lala. Hell, Lala's boy says it. What's his name? Where's he been? Nowhere, Kevin Lawler. He says we're old silly old man washed up. Well, 
more on the car that draws more than him and all his yahoos. So, I mean, am I pissed off at him? Yes, I am. And if I ever see him in the dressing room, he may get an interview. Okay. You know what I mean? All right. Well, uh, getting back to 1980. Um, right. There's a uh, run here with you against uh, Gypsy Joe. Oh. Uh, oh. <laughs> Ooh, miss. Uh, Lay it in, brother. Yeah, I got you. Lay it in. Well, he's... Uh, and that seems to be a reoccurring story about his, his working style, but uh, he sure lasted a long time. Yes, he did. And was a tough individual. I mean... But, and I don't know. There's no need to chop that that hard, but who oh God. But he, hey, he wanted to believe it. He wanted that, the fan uh, sitting yeah, ringside. Yes, to, he did. You believed it. That uh, what, the sound it made when it hit you on the chest. Um, so and he was another tough dude. When he went to Puerto Rico and Japan, he whooped all them boys over there. So I mean, he he, he was the real deal. Um, do you, do you think with um, we mentioned Fargo at that time? Did you and Lawler and those guys when he came in, y'all had respect and y'all y'all gave him the proper place right. of hey y'all were calling him for sure to show up to yeah. make some magic and spark you guys back up or right. spark the crowd back up. Yeah, and you knew people would buy a ticket to see him. So do you have a different appreciation. For the guys before you than the guys after you have for your generation? Yeah. And, and, and you, you hate to keep knocking the younger guys, but it's true. They all think they've invented the wheel. And wrestling been around for 100 years before they come along. And we were selling that on Monday nights. There ain't a, a Yahoo running around Memphis has been on a sellout in Memphis. Not one except me and Lawler living in this town. I agree, but uh, I, only reason that I, I give him a little slack off a little bit is, what the hell are they supposed to do, Bill? They don't have that outlet. They don't have the TV. Right, they don't have the TV. structure. I agree with you. They can't do anything but show up in the one little gym once a month and right and do the best they can and, and have and a bad attitude to go with it. But right, and the sad thing about this business is it becomes a, a, like a drug. It's like a disease. You get bit by the wrestling bug and you want to be a wrestler. Where do you go? There's no place to go. I came halfway around the world for the same reason. Wow. Bobby Shane said, you all need to go to Memphis, Tennessee. Nick Goods, Bobby Shane. Here you, here. That's how it all happened. He said, let you talk to Jared Jarrett. So he called Jarrett. Mrs. Jarrett got on the phone. Got the, all the names. Got the paperwork started. And here we are. 50 uh. years. Later. Speaking of that, uh, we came across a, a, a sort of a treasure, the uh, original reel-to-reel tape that you sent from Australia. Yeah. Uh, some, I, we're guessing 74. There the it Gullis. is right there. And uh, uh, that, that's a piece of history right there. We, we're going to try to work it into uh, flipping it to some to kind of, people. yeah, we're going to uh, put yeah, that in you, some you kind of form that we can see. Do you have any memories of, of your highlights, what what they would have included, just showing your... Uh... Yeah, I have one especially. <laughs> the, 
George is all laid back, lies the chair, Mr. Big Shot, and I'm standing there looking tough, trying to be the best again. Lance did this with the microphone, and I never said a word. Froze. And that's quite funny. Be on the tape a little bit, but then George said, you going to say anything? What? <laughs> so he stood up and kind of was mad at me, looking at me, and he made the interview. Now, before coming to Memphis, you had you'd worked 10, 12 years. Right. Uh, two, but, three nights a week. I mean, times a night. Yeah. Um, but nobody got to that. say nothing. No, no interview time. Not Nothing. Showed up in Memphis. Just not showed a, up, got your ass kicked up. On so any TV, TV that you would have been involved in with Barnett, yeah, you were going out there doing your job and going back to the dressing room. Getting it, putting everybody over, like Thunderbolt, Pat, Pat Patterson, Ray Stevens, Mark Lewin, Ken Curtis, name, names that the kids haven't heard of today, but they were all big stars back in the day. And George and I would take all kinds of bumps for them, so they would take bookies with them too. Why wouldn't they? Now, uh, you, you said before, when you first got to Memphis, uh, you were stumbling and bumbling, and you yeah. had to sit back and figure it out. Uh, I think you figured it out. Right. Uh, but we had a lot of help. And his name's Je Jerry Jarrett. He kind of, well, he did it with Lawler, too. Lawler was hand-picked to be what Lawler is. Barnes and Dundee was got to the, when he, Lawler and him fell out and left. So I don't know if Jerry was saying to himself, well, Jerry Lawler, you may have went off the Pensacola, well, I'll show you it can be done with anybody. So he took me and George and pushed the hell, hell out of it. And by the time Lawler came back, we were big stars in Memphis. Uh, so maybe bring people back in line and right. appreciate where you are. That's exactly right. And I've always kind of been like that. I mean, for a little bitty fella in this business, I, I did pretty good. Made number 10 on Vince McMahon lose a leave time match, right? Yeah. That should be number one, because <laughs> no, I guarantee you there's not nine matches better than me and Lawler. Uh, one of your uh, more favorite tag team partners is Buddy Landale. Uh, one of my favorite people. And I guess friends and traveling companions and Kind of worked out the whole nine yards. Do you remember uh, when y'all first were, uh, when he first came around and how you took to him or didn't take to him? Or? When you first meet Budro, it's hard to take. But he's a kind of like Dusty. He has his own personality. I mean, you can, when Dusty's talking and doing his thing, take me all about Dusty, but he says it nicer than Buddy. But he's, well, you can't work up a far better worker than you. That you know that kind of thing does does it more politically. So, but I like I like Buddy right off the bat. Now you were uh, swapping out doing trading booking duties about the time he would have started coming up the ranks. And yeah, I know I grew up watching him and watches Mid South on the bottom part of the card with black hair. He had black hair. Right. Um, and then he became the nature boy and died at block. Blonde, and here we are. So, did you uh, have any uh, hand in, in bringing him up to the card, give him a shot? Oh, yeah, I, mean, I took, took him to Louisiana. That was the oh, idea. Yeah. That I mean, I took him down there, and he had already been there with that black hair. Mm -hmm. So, losing every match. Right. So, I took him back, and 
he's a hell of a talent. Absolutely. Could, could talk, could work, but just demons. And maybe not so much demons. This is explained how Buddy saw life. He picked me up in Hendersonville one month, and we were coming to Memphis. We're in his LTD. He drove it probably 70 miles an hour tops on the interstate. We hit Summer Avenue, and I swear to God, I looked at the speedometer, he was doing 103. I said, buddy, what the fuck are you doing, man? He said, that's how they expect us to drive here. I said, who? He said, the marks. That's, and, and he was deadly serious. I said, well, okay, the police, I hope he's a buddy and Bill fan and we're going to jail. So, 70 up on the interstate and as fast as the friggin' th thing would go going up Summer Avenue. But we made, never got stopped in the mile or so we rocked. And that, that's just how he was. I mean, he was a lot of fun to be around, but sometimes the fun was, whoop, mercy, way out there. Uh, Hood, you said the uh, Bill and Buddy show. Uh, who's, who's, whose idea was that? That was. I'll take the blame for that. And, <laughs> and if you think, think, see, here's. Well, there's a picture of the same thing, too. Well, me and Lola, well, I said, Lola, you're on the wrong side. Move out. Well, you got. And he said, no, this is, and it is the wrong side if you saw the picture. Oh, yeah. Um, there it is up there. But anyway, Buddy did the same thing. If you pay attention to that, he's sitting under Bill and I'm sitting under Buddy with a name above it. I said, but that's your chair. No, man, no, no, that's you. So I just sat down. Buddy, Bill, he sat there. Nobody, for heels, nobody cared. Just the idea. Of just the idea, it, yeah. Well, um, you remember a guy named Jack Hart? Jack Hart. Would have been yeah, back and his ladies. real name was, uh, he, he was from Canada, but he really wasn't a Hart. Yeah. And uh, I see you and, you and Lawler, late 80s, 87, 88, worked him and, and Chick Donovan for a spell. I would say that was Chick Donovan's, uh, well, he had been here before. Now, there's another spell. guy that should have went further than he did but he broke his leg remember yeah um, again I, I remember growing up him being losing twice a week on Georgia yeah. Championship Wrestling when TBS I, came out I brought him in here and pushed to Memphis. exactly and then all of a sudden he's near and he had to go home and what were your plans for with him because he did have the look right yeah see how, how we got over him and you, you, you just bring him in and push him and put him in the paddock and see what like happens? Said, the booker decides what goes on yeah. there. Next. Yeah, and then, then he went back home and... Well, he blew his knee up. Yeah. And I think that was a kind of the end of him. The uh, I remember the, the Hart guy showing up here and there and just never... I'd never yeah. making anything anywhere else. Right. Just kind of disappeared. I, I don't know where the guy went. Um, All right, for all you chicken breeders out there, if you're looking for new chicken coops, you call Chicken Partners at telephone 336-391-9773, and you will get a hell of a deal, and you'll get 10% off and tell them the superstar told you to call. 
Hey, Bill, uh, leading up with you and Lawler's feud, um, anywhere in there, but you had a series of matches where you seemed to win the Southern Heavyweight title. You won 4,000 cash. You won Cadillac, leading up to taking a couple losses of, of other people's hair and the big blow-off. Reoccurring question on your Facebook page seems to be that, uh, what's the deal with Cadillac? Who's Cadillac? Did you win the Cadillac? Did you drive the Cadillac around? Or yeah. Did you have to give it up? Did you? Well, I lost it again. <laughs> it was Lawless Cadillac, and we was building up for a hair match eventually, but that, that's another story. So we just, I wanted the belt. I won the belt. And then every time he wanted, he had to, put something up to wrestle me for the belt. He wanted the belt, but, well, as you know, you're not getting just a match. I go to sign the winner, and we so he put the Cadillac up eventually, and I won it, and I drove around town there and thought it was Mr. Big Shot. <laughs> so, yeah, when you win him, you get him until you lose him. Eventually, I lost it back to him, but, yeah, it was mine until he won it back. All right, it was a real, real swap. So you, you, yeah. were, you were riding high. Oh, I was big shot <laughs> from my LTD to a Cadillac. I th thought it was Mister Big Shot. And we've talked about this before, but uh, it's kind of after that entire torturous feud leading up to that. I think it was four or five weeks later. The houses were down. It went right back to you and him tagging up and uh, against the Valiants. That's that's still just that. I was a, the people were in it and bought it so so yeah. hard and heavy. And then um, five weeks later, well, any way they got you, they were just happy to see y'all well, both in the ring. They, they they didn't care what we did as long as we was in the ring at the same time. We could be on the same side against one another. Or they didn't care as long as we was in the ring because they knew, they knew something was going to happen and they knew we didn't like one another. So the man, well, maybe that tonight one will kill one. Well, we'll be there to see it, so. Going into that, do you have any uh, specific memories of working Johnny and Jimmy Valiant at that time as a tag team? Well, Johnny was pretty stiff. Handsome was just handsome. He was all showbiz. And I, I mean, what, what could you say? They come from Dick the Bruiser, big time team coming into Memphis. Me and Lawler was the best Memphis had to offer, so. I thought the matches was good, not great, but good, and we won. <laughs> well, of course. Uh, of course, it was Memphis. Yeah, and uh, then I, I noticed shortly after that, y'all y'all go into a, a run with uh, Sonny King and Norvell Austin. No it, relief, nowhere. Uh, oh my! Night off? No, no, not a night off. Norvell, not too bad, kind of stiff, but Sonny King. Oh my God! What you see? It's what he was, big, strong, black guy. And I don't mean this bad, but I don't really know if it like white people. Because <laughs> <laughs> he bit the, beat the shit out of me and Lop, I can tell you that. Well, uh, when, uh, when you first showed up in Memphis from Australia with George Barnes as a tag team, uh, I was recalling that more so that you went into a, a feud with Dennis Condry and Phil Hickerson. But as we were going through some old pictures, you actually worked Tojo and Eddie Marlin, and the yeah. pictures we saw were, uh, I guess, uh, Jerry Jarrett got involved a little bit before. A little bit, but he was promoting by then and booking and doing his thing, so he could stay home and make more money. Yeah. So why would you go to the ring and 
getting beat up by two goofy Aussies. Now, that, that must have been an interesting night to work Tojo Style and Eddie Marlin. Well, George and I kind of felt sorry for Tojo, because George was determined to make Tojo wrestle. <laughs> well, Tojo's five foot five and 300 pounds. But he had one where he had Tojo leapfrog up. I swear to God, I thought, this is, but Tojo got over him, stood up and chopped him. George took a hell of a bump. People went crazy. I don't know if it was the ch the chop or the leapfrog that we were remembering, but, oh, no, 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 do that. No, no, he said, how he talked. Yeah, no, 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 do that. He did it and chopped him. Before we run off too far from uh, you and Lawless feud, uh, going through some WWE information, your name popped up. They had a list of the 10 most famous loser leave town or retirement matches. And uh, number 10 was Bill Dundee against Jerry Lawler. Well, at least we got a little mention, and it don't hurt to get mentioned by the, by the what would you call him, the Shaw of Wrestling, Vince. I mean, he thinks he's it, but... We was doing all that kind of stuff before he was doing it in Memphis, I mean. And just to be a guest to the normal wrestling fan, just to get mentioned in the same thing as his boys. I don't watch the WWE. I couldn't tell you who the other guys were. But I can tell you this much. If you had to bet on what was the better matches to watch, it would be Lauder and Dundee. That doesn't matter who the opponents are than his boys. Hey, uh, uh, going back through the records... Uh, a few weeks ago, we actually were talking about the AWA World Titles, and uh, your memory and my memory didn't serve too well about y'all actually winning the belts twice. Still can't figure it out. I'm I'm searching for it on on tape, but uh, it's listed as several other places as you and Lawler losing it to Hector Guerrero and Doctor D, who now is listed as Carl Styles, uh, undercard guy from Memphis. Yeah. And uh, then dropping it to the New Midnight Express. But um, I'm still struggling to find find video on that. Yeah, me too. Um, In my head, I'm still struggling. But again, if you, but if you listen. I do remember Carl Stiles, big country boy. Oh, you do? Boy. Oh, yeah, big country boy. Stronger than a Knox brother. Oh, God. Strong. He could press slam you like this. Just stand there and press you two or three times. Then slam you, oh, big country, and, and, he, and he talked real country. So I don't quite know what I'm trying to say here, but you know how them farm boys talk? He was like that, and a, technically a nice guy. Well, uh, I guess that would be the reason you'd put him under a mask and use that, that size and strength. Yeah. And keep him quiet. And, and because when he talked, it didn't fit what the he was. right. Well, um, going through some of your, your pictures here, uh, we came across a, a one that's, that had me stumped, and it actually was Gorgeous George Jr. Well, well, Looked quite him. different. I met him in a bar that night. He got, we just had to both show up. Now, this big hairy guy. I'm looking at him, and he's looking at me. Said, Damn, Gorgeous George. So that's... Looked more like the uh, Duck Dynasty. Right. He from, looked more from like his character. Dutch Mantel with yeah. Fool had a hair and a beard, yeah. And uh, was that a brief encounter? Or did you work? You have uh, with Johnny B. Bad the pictures oh, we was, were going through. Just a uh, well, that one with Johnny B. Yeah. 
That would have been WCW, I guess, when that you were. That would have been a nice kicking for me, for Johnny. Beat, get him over, and I was on my way. So. <laughs> uh, well, uh, but I like Johnny B. He, he wanted to learn, and he was coming out, you know, talk to you, and that, that, that's the difference. He, he he was into his character, wasn't he? he right. He, yeah. he flipped it on. Um, some other names popping up. The Dusty Rhodes imagination. Really. And that's when you were helping with the booking and. A... Yeah. And Greg Gagne and Mike Gray. Johnny B. Bad. Was the uh, the the beginning? Uh, was he uh, the plan for him to be? Uh, uh, a heel that hit him to a baby, or I guess that's always the plan, but... Johnny B? Was the... I don't know what was in Dusty's head. <laughs> he, he, he knew where he was going with himself. Big, the, the dream. He was the dream every night. You could be anything. Say, baby, just didn't really know how he talked, and he has that list. We didn't really have a list, but... He, when he was conning you into something. And I liked Big Dust. I mean, we got along good. I knew how he was. He knew how I was, so I liked him. A few names in the pot that uh, come up with your opinion, or, or did you ever work with them? Thunderbolt Patterson and, and Buzz Sawyer. Ooh, mercy. Now, there was two guys the exact opposite. Thunderbolt was all showbiz, and Buzz was all about kicking your ass. Could and wood so but I didn't mind working with either one and I got along good with him so I knew Thunderbolt from Australia Barnett brought him over to Australia 10 years before that I probably had done jobs for him a hundred times in Australia so when he came to Memphis I was the star and mm. he still Thunderbolt Patterson could work could talk how was he received in Australia at that time? <laughs> Well, that jive kind of talk, nobody quite Completely. understood what it was. And then he talked the same way there as he does here. And, but he got over. He did all the things with his hands and his feet and all that kind of stuff. So, but he got over. Um, people whisper that Dusty stole a lot from him. Do you, do you think that's where he got the character from? Everybody borrows If I could say the word is here, who could tell you what Dusty was, but you can't, so I'll do it the nice way. He was a white black guy. Dusty understood what Bolt was doing and he watched the people. So when you have a black guys that are supposed to be junk jive, 300 pound rednecks are nuts. So Dusty came out and did his thing, people went nuts. He knew it was gonna gonna and he knew touch the buttons and get over. So with it, yeah, like I said, I liked the dream. He, he, he was. I got along good with him, and he just you know. And he could work for a 300, 300 pound guy, but what we've said before in this show, working is in your head, not the bumps you take. That doesn't um, mean a damn, damn thing. It's all in your head. It's a psychological game you play with the fans. They have lost that technique now. So, but Big Dream, he got over, didn't do nothing in the ring. People thought he was the world champion. 
until he became the world's champion. Look what Ric Flair does. Every match the same, and boom, bam, bam. And he wasn't over as good as Big Dust to the average fan. No. And he was the world's champion. Um, you know, in the past, you said that uh, push to, to say your favorite town, you've actually listed as Tupelo, Mississippi, and I'm starting to understand why when we're going through some uh, uh, keepsakes of yours. I've got some uh, Tupelo police badges bestowed on you and a lot of uh, pictures of pool parties and bikini girls around that yeah. seem to be led back to Tupelo. So I'm, sounds like you uh, were given the key to the city. You yeah. were quite welcome in Tupelo. Yes, I was. In the bar scene and the wrestling scene. So, yeah, I, li I like Tupelo, but I used to tell the people I was from Tupelo. But when I was okay. from, this, my second home, I love Tupelo. So, back in the day, if you said that on TV, they liked you. So, even if, if I was a healer or a good, good guy, I would still put Tupelo over. Well, you saw a couple of pictures, why, but that's another story. <laughs> uh, you uh you've been pretty busy lately um i know you did a, a tribute show down at ala capri casino to lance russell and brian christopher got a couple uh dyersburg fair lexington fair coming up um yeah keep keeping uh i was gonna say lacing the boots up but we know you don't lace any boots no i didn't uh, quit that 40 years ago. And was, what was the reason starting that? Because it sure makes sense. That If you watch the, the, the picture of me and Barton slamming Eddie Marlin, if it's on the, the seat, I have lace up boots on them. And the shorter ones, and I told George, I said, when we're done with you, because he wouldn't wear pull on boots, he had to lace them up. So mm -hmm. I said, I'm done lacing boots. When I get to be by my lonesome, so I got a pair of cowboy boots made and been ever since. And how much time have you saved? Yeah. <laughs> lace them up, lace them down. Right. Yeah, that's... Uh, uh, now, is it safer to have them laced up? Yeah. You can break your ankle more easy with what I wear than the laced up What? But I have seen guys sprain their ankle and do things with lace up boots. So. It can happen either way. Yeah. Well, seems like it saved a whole lot of time. I see the guys in, in the dressing right. room you're going through their ritual, and you're yeah. ready to go. You could be late and be ready in two minutes. Yeah. Thanks. Bye.